Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on GoToDobbs.com today. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. To my disappointment, I have to report that effective at 12.01 a.m. this morning, we instituted a lockout of Major League players. Um, We took this action with the support of all 30 clubs after we failed to reach a new agreement with the Players Association, despite our very best efforts. Um, We came to Texas to make a deal. Um, We committed to the process. We made proposals, and it just did not happen. After the owners' meeting in Chicago, I made clear the rationale for an off-season lockout. It's the norm in professional sports, and we feel it's the best strategy to protect the 2022 season for the benefit of our fans. And we'll see if that does play out. That's Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Been talking about it all morning as we now officially have hit the lockout phase of the offseason for MLB. We're going to visit with Jared Diamond of the Wall Street Journal in just a bit. I want to play some of the clips from the baseball insiders around the game as we go along in this first segment. You will hear the entire press conference of Rob Manfred later in the show. BK, we knew was coming but still when it happens you don't like to see it yeah it sucks i mean it was just a bummer last night watching all of this as it ensued like we knew what was happening we knew we've known this for five years now if we're all being honest that this was on this date it was going to expire and they were going to have to work through the next few months hopefully at a maximum to be able to prevent missing games and missing out on spring training At this point, the only thing that I care about, and I hate being in this place, but the only thing that matters to me now is just that you don't miss games. As long as you're able to get this thing done, you're able to get to spring training, at least in a normal fashion of time where you can have a normal ramp up period into the season. Cool. That's all I'm really asking for now. I hate that it was so damn predictable, but welcome to the baseball negotiations. Jeff Passan of ESPN was asked about how long this has been in the works. Five years ago to this day, the last time a collective bargaining agreement was successfully negotiated, I talked with people and that night they said a labor war is coming. There is going to be a work stoppage in 2021. The fact that that long ago they could see this on the horizon shows that the chasm between the two sides is not something that has just instantaneously come upon us. This is something that's been brewing for a better part of a decade now and this is the upshot uh, listen we've been here with major league baseball before the amount of work stoppages it seemed like practically every year in the mm-hmm. 1970s and early 1980s uh, but the fact that they've had more than a quarter century of peace to this point really has gone a long way to making people feel almost comfortable and i think the players carl see this as a necessary reckoning for them to get back what they have lost over the years you look back at 2016 and it was pretty amazing you could see the the transformation of the sport what i mean by that bk is that analytics became greater and greater and front offices started playing uh, playing some of the younger players because they didn't have to pay them and then all of a sudden your middle tier guys are getting wiped out in terms of money as a matter of fact since 2014 
The middle-class free agent salaries have dropped by 50% since 2014. Now, in 2016, some of the things that the players got was like, okay, we'll, we'll give you an extra bus. You know, when you're driving around in spring training, you'll get your own row on a bus. I mean, it was player accommodations that really didn't mean anything. It was quality of life type yes. of stuff as it, opposed to the economics, economics, which is the only thing the owners cared about. They were like, oh, yeah, you want an extra bus? We can make that happen. That's no problem. That's a couple grand. Right. And we're talking about now the real key issues, which is the Players Association is saying, okay, we're seeing how this is going. We want to get our players paid earlier, meaning maybe uh, two years until you hit arbitration. Or instead of six years of free agency, let's go to five. And draft pick compensation being attached to a free agent. Those kind of things. Um, Players maybe could give back the expanded postseason say yeah sure we'll we'll give you more money by playing in more playoff games that's something to consider now right now you have no image name likeness being used on any of the websites by major league baseball it's wild it's crazy we had greg amsinger on this morning uh they cannot show anybody on mlb network and that's to comply with uh federal labor law that's just what you do as the employee employer kind of come together and you have a uh, lockout like this you can't use their likeness so that's what happens here and best- i like greg but that's gonna be unwatchable like i you can't watch mlb network without the players the players are what makes this sport what it is so <laughs> i feel bad for those guys i really do how long is this going to last buster only unless there is a significant change of thought on one side or the other i don't think there's any chance spring training starts on time um these two sides have demonstrated that uh, you know, the two leadership groups have demonstrated they don't cooperate, they don't collaborate, uh, the conversations aren't going anywhere. Um, it really does feel like, as Jeff Passon said, like the two sides are speaking completely different languages. The idea that they're going to come up with a nuanced labor agreement, I'm just not confident. And I do think there is a chance that the season is going to be delayed. I, what he said is true. I mean, there's distrust for many, many years on both sides and frustration on very big economic issues that they're talking about. However, in the previous labor stoppages, we've never been in a world that we're living in right now. And I mean that. And I I do think it's a factor that you will have some people that say, number one, we had 60 game season. Okay, so owners missed out on a ton of money. Players missed out on a ton, ton of money two years ago. We're still in a pandemic. And we're trying to fight over this stuff. And you also, many of the people that were around in 94 are still around and understand what happened with the game when you shut it down. Can't have that again. And they know that. That's why I believe they it, it won't get to Armageddon to the point that you start missing games. I, I just don't see that happening, BK. And maybe I'm naive, but I, I don't see it happening. There have also been some reports about what the players asked for specifically when it comes to the arbitration and the hitting free agency. It didn't seem as extreme as I was expecting for at this point in the negotiations. And the reason why I think that's really important to keep in mind is because there might not be quite as much to bridge in terms of what the owners want versus what the players want as what I might have originally anticipated going into these negotiations. And if that is the case it might be easier for them to be able to reach a deal. Now, it will not seem that way for the next month or two. It's going to get ugly. It already did with some of the press releases last night. Like I said yesterday, you're going to hear some of these things. Like, I I thought Manfred's statement, I I just, like, throw that out the window. It was a joke. To me, it is, we locked out the players. We are doing the best, or uh, we're going to do the best job we can to make sure that we have baseball in 2022. Hang with us, fans. You know, we 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 know that you support us. We're going to support you. We're going to get this done. That's what I want to hear. 
I don't need to hear that we spent $1.7 billion and we're going to have record number of money spent in this offseason. The average fan out there doesn't want to hear that when you lock out the sport. They just don't. And that was part of the the press release. But I understand that. But there's still this. This is the now we're going back and forth in the PR game. So this hour, we're going to have the Players Association speak upon what Manfred probably said or wrote last night. And it's going to start going back and forth. And and fans do not want to hear about it. They just don't. Yeah. I mean, Rob Manfred in his letter, this this was the quote that really got me, Dan. This defensive lockout was necessary because the Players Association's vision for Major League Baseball would threaten the ability for most teams to be competitive. It is simply not a viable option. And what specifically he was referencing there was players' ability to get to free agency a year earlier. Dan, there are already 10 to 15 teams that I can name now that aren't going to be competitive going into next year. Mm -hmm. A player reaching free agency a year early is not going to change the Pittsburgh Pirates' inability and unwillingness to pay that player. Are they going to lose him one year prior? Probably. But there are a lot of teams, look at the Tampa Bay Rays, that are able to work around some of these financial constraints. And if you're able to do so and lock these players up earlier, if you're willing to give out the earlier money, you can make it work. So the, the idea... Just have less margin for error on 100%, your decisions. Yeah, yeah. Th- there is risk that comes along with that. There, there's no doubt about that, and that's something that deserves to be said. But the idea that this would threaten the ability for most teams to be competitive, I understand this is just stuff he's got to say because this is the game that we're playing right now. That's ridiculous. Yes. It's, it's absolutely absurd to include that in the letter to the fans. So Tim Kirchin's been around this a long time. He's seen these kind of things. What are his thoughts on what's happening right now? There is a clear disconnect. So now they're going to have to pull this together. My concern is we've turned December 1st like this is not a, an important date. It's artificial. We'll get this fixed. But when you lock out and everything changes and everything is frozen, it leads to some really bad things from right. here. And even though we haven't lost games to lockouts yet, there's always a first time. I just hope we don't look at this and go, oh, we've got two months to figure this out. It's going to be fine. I don't think it's going to be fine unless we have severe, s- serious progress made. Out of all the guys we've heard from, that's the one I agree with the most. There needed to be more of a sense of urgency, in my opinion. And again, I'm not behind closed doors. I don't know where they feel. And I don't know. They they probably have ideas of how far they'll bend. We don't know that on both sides. But, man, I'm with them. And I've I've told you this, PK, a bunch. And we just had Jesse Rogers on again this morning. And and one of the things I said, are, are people talking about the sense of urgency for 2022? marketing your players talking about the sport we just had a great couple of days with free agency going wild they're the front page of a lot of sports sections around town now it's dead yeah and now you just boom it comes to a screeching halt with anxiety for a lot of people so i'm with him i you know now that you are officially in a lockout things can go differently now it's a different ball game and that's what will concern me going forward i other i also dan this is going to be a storyline for 2022 but just to get it out on the front end of it i'm a little curious to see what this means for some guys that are rehabbing back from injuries and guys that are on throwing programs that they're trying to get themselves back to the right spots. They're not able to talk with their clubs right now. What are injuries? Your doctors, your rehab people, your uh, even your mental coaches, which is big telling you that's big in the sport. It's huge. And you can't do that. And now you can't talk with any of those people within the the organization. And if you do, you can get in big trouble for doing so. 
Dan, there are going to be players that have something pop up for them throughout the offseason. Like, it's just going to happen. That's how baseball works. Somebody's going to throw, they're going to pop an elbow. And the team's not going to know about it until February. I I could be wrong about this, BK, but something I've been thinking about is, um, and maybe this is like, I'm totally off base with this. I'm just going spitfiring here. What about players that are outside the country that have to deal with visas? and get into the country and say, well, I'm going into work and this is how I got to get in. Is there going to be complications with that? If you bump this thing all the way up to spring training? I don't know. We just Could saw be. a year of historic injuries for pitchers historic. And now we're going into another off season in which those pitchers do not have a regular off season throwing period where they can regularly yes. communicate back and forth with their pitching coach, with their manager, with their general manager, with the pitching coordinator, whoever these minor leaguers who in 2020 had no season They finally come back for a weird pandemic stricken 2021 season. And they were mostly on like six man rotations. It was a strange travel schedule. There was COVID that uh, impacted some of these teams. Like those guys are now once again, going into an off season of uncertainty. Now the minor leaguers, I believe do have the ability to communicate more so with the teams than the major leaguers do. But again, it's just a weird off season for them. So two out of the last three years, they've had just, strangeness that's taken place with their professional careers. All of this is stuff that will go off of uh, onto the back burner, but it is stuff that is going to impact teams in 2022 and it should not be on the back burner. That's why there should be a sense of urgency right now, but there's not. These teams do not view it that way. They look at it as what is our deadline to make a deal? Eh, That's when our best offer will come. Jared Diamond of the Wall Street Journal will be next on 101 ESPN. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. job at the uh, Wall Street Journal covering the game of baseball, in particular the economic side of the game, so perfect timing to bring him on here in St. Louis at 101 ESPN. That's BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin, and uh, Jared, as always, thanks for your time, and thanks for hopping on with us. Yeah, good to be here. What's your reaction to what we saw? I'm, I'm sure not surprised, but where do we go from here, and what's your reaction? It's not a surprise at all. Uh, I think anyone that's been following this, honestly, for the last few years, saw this coming certainly anyone that's been following it for the last few days or weeks saw this coming Uh, this was in an an inevitable outcome and it was never a question of whether there would be a lockout in december we've known for a long time that there almost certainly would be the question that really matters and should matter to anyone listening to any fan is will this still be still going on on february 10th or 12th or whenever it is pitchers and catchers are supposed to report for spring training, because that's when this gets real. A lockout in December and January, it's easy not to really worry about it. The NFL's going on, the NBA's going on, college football bowl games are, are going to happen soon. It's when games, spring training starts becoming threatened that this becomes a, a much, much bigger issue. Do you think that could happen? Look, they're not close right now. They're not speaking the same language, these two parties. They, their relationship is terrible. They are, When I say they, they're not seeing eye to eye, I mean, they're not really even negotiating. They're kind of just talking over each other. So I would never say anything impossible. That said, I want to believe and do believe that these are smart people, that Rob Manfred and Dan Halem and Tony Clark and Bruce Meyer are smart people 
and they understand on some level that at the end of the day, not playing baseball games on March 31st is not good for anybody and that they will recognize that in time. But look, this is going to be a long road, uh, and I really don't know how it's going to end up. Jared, do you think they view spring training as a deadline? Because, I mean, going back to the 2020 season, and I know that was different. It was something that nobody could see coming with the pandemic that shut everything down. But I remember talking on the air that summer and just wondering, what do they view as the deadline? What do they view as the the fewest number of games that they're willing to play? And eventually we found out the answer was 60. And you could kind of backtrack from there. Okay, how, how does that season look? Here's what the deadline would be. Do you think they have a deadline in mind as to when that would be for these negotiations? Yeah, this is different because they missing a single game is now bad for everybody. They, they want to play all 162. No one makes money. They don't make their money. They don't play all 162, or at least not as much as they could. I was talking to a couple of people, a couple of players, just out of my own curiosity. I asked them, when does this have to be settled for you to feel like you could get to spring training and have sort of a normal spring training and be ready for opening day. And the consensus I got from these players was you could maybe start spring training 10 to 14 days late and still start on time. So that gives you sort of a sense of, of where things are. Once this is settled, you could get everyone to spring training quickly. I mean, you're talking about just a couple of days. Once there's a deal, everyone will be in Florida and Arizona. So uh, realistically, I think you want to have this done by February 1st. If it goes, you know, maybe one or two weeks beyond that, probably still okay. But if we start getting sort of President's Day or beyond, March 31st no longer seems all that realistic. I'm going to throw some things at you, Jared, and tell me what you think may stick. Do, do players get paid earlier with arbitration after two years? Is there going to be, let's say, an earlier time for free agency for a player? Is there draft pick compensation that will be taken off a free agent? Will we have expanded playoffs? I mean, these are all things that can be give and take on both sides. Which one of those or any of those do you think stick out that they can work out to make this thing happen? Yeah, well, expanded playoffs are going to happen. I think we can pretty much say that definitively. Uh, the parties have yet, they didn't agree to exactly what expanded playoffs would look like, but at various times, the proposals on both sides involved expanded playoffs of some kind. So that I, I'd be shocked if that doesn't happen. I'd also be shocked if we don't see a universal DH uh, in the next CBA. I, I think that's more or less a foregone conclusion uh, at this point. As for these, core economic issues, the thing that's actually holding up the agreement. Look, right now, the MLB, MLB owners are saying they are hard line against anything that changes the reserve period, uh, meaning how long it takes to become a free agent, how long it takes to go to arbitration, and uh, the revenue sharing cuts that the PA wants. They say they're not budging on that. The union says they're not budging on their desire to change them, which is sort of why we are where they are. So someone is going to have to blink. I don't think ultimately we're going to see these gigantic sweeping changes to how free agency works or how arbitration works. We're not going to suddenly see players going to free agency after four years. Uh, But I think we'll probably see small, small incremental changes in all or most of those areas. Uh, Because it's going to require a little give and take to get this done because right now they're both just so entrenched 
and this is what we want, and there's 0% chance we'll ever give it to you. We're talking to Jared Diamond of the Wall Street Journal here on 101 ESPN for another couple of minutes. Jared, as you look at where we are now and players aren't allowed to have conversations with their teams, they are not allowed to go to the facilities for rehab or to talk with their mental coach, any of these things this offseason that they would normally be doing around this time or certainly within the next couple of months. After a season in which we saw unprecedented pitching injuries, how concerning is that for clubs as they go into this downward period where uh, they're not able to have contact with some of their pitchers and obviously hitters as well that they would hope to have a normal offseason with for the first time in like two years now? Yeah, it's not good. Uh, I know there's a lot of frustrated players about this. Uh, look, if teams are smart, and these days they are, they were preparing for this, that they made arrangements for all their injured players, uh, set them up with sort of approved physical therapists or doctors, people that are not team affiliated, but sort of people that everyone could be on the same page with. And I'm sure that's what teams have done, but it is a little strange. Uh, If you remember back to the NHL lockout, the recent one, they were able to uh, continue to rehab in team facilities. And in this case, it seems like that won't be the case. And when asked about it today, uh, this morning, Rob Manfred said it was an issue of law. It was a labor law issue. And when asked, when met, when it was brought to his attention that this exact situation played out in hockey and this is what happened, he had no response other than this is what our legal advisors are telling us uh, is advisable. So it's an interesting question. I think it's one that's sort of worth exploring more just because of the way baseball is handling it versus the way hockey did a few years ago. I know, Jared, we, we got to let you go here shortly, but I do have a quick question. Um, in terms of, as you well know, I mean, baseball is is very, very important here in St. Louis, and a lot of fans wake up this morning, and they're frustrated. And you always hear the fan, oh, I'm not coming back. I'm done with it. That's it. I'm, this is, I've been through 94. I, was, I went through the other ones. How concerned is Major League Baseball with that, meaning – you know, right now, yeah, tickets are on sale, but you can't market your players. Are we going to have a season? Can I go to spring training? Are owners concerned, or is the industry as a whole concerned about turning off the fan right now? I think the belief, and, and I don't think this is an incorrect belief, that as long as the baseball season is played on time as normal, it won't really matter at the gotcha. end of the day. And, and honestly, I don't think that's untrue. I do think if they get this done, and after the Super Bowl, we're like, it's baseball season and the players are showing up. We'll forget about this. It is true that an offseason lockout just doesn't, shouldn't matter too much to the average fan. I also think it's important to remember that while this is not necessary and it's a shame that we got here, this is just sort of a process. And sometimes it does take action like this to get to the result you want. So my advice for everyone is enjoy your sports winter. Don't panic until we get to, you know, early February. Then you can panic if it's not done yet. (laughs) Great. What are the things you're most interested in finding out in this new CBA negotiations, Jared? Like as as you're preparing for what your reporting is going to look like throughout the next two months, uh, what are are you looking forward to most? Or what are you most interested in, I guess is the better way to phrase that. I mean, look, I work at the Wall Street Journal. So, of course, I'm fascinated on how these economic issues are are resolved because while they're not always interesting to fans, things like luxury sharing and the collect the, sorry, the competitive balance tax and some of these really kind of boring, not very interesting things. 
they're actually crucial to how the game operates and how agents get signed and who's good and who's not and how teams spend money, which ultimately does matter to fans. So I'm just very curious if we really end up in a different game than the one we've had. I think many people would agree. I'm sure MLB owners would tell you the the truth theorem that they won the last CBA, that they got, they bargained themselves into a very good economic position. It's very hard to claw that back. If you're the players, once you've sort of given rights away, so I'm very curious how it's, it's going to play out and, and whether it really impacts the game meaningfully. And, and based on where we are right now, I think it's realistic to think it will. Final follow-up that I have on that, Jared. How much is this going to impact the markets for guys like Carlos Correa, Trevor Story, and some of the top players that are still out there on the free agent market? Yeah, nobody knows. Uh, we've never gone through this before. Uh, you're going to end up in a situation where there's a whole ton of free agents who might be very quickly looking for jobs, assuming this does go all the way into February or so. Will that make it a buyer's market? Will it make it a seller's market? I don't think anyone's really sure yet. I mean, clearly there's some teams treating it like they think they'll have an advantage. Like you see the teams like the Yankees who didn't do anything while every other team was. Uh, But I'm sure Carlos Correa is sitting there going, this is going to work out great for me. I'm going to make $350 million when this is over. So, that's a very interesting question, but one that feels very, very far away considering where we are today. Hey, Jared, thank you so much. We know it's a busy day for you, and I, I understand there is a uh, Players Association a press conference, I believe, coming up. And uh, really appreciate your time, and everybody should follow you at the Wall Street Journal, especially now on the business side of sports. You do great work, and thanks for hopping on. Thanks very much. You got be it. Well. You got it. That's uh, Jared Diamond at J A R E D Diamond. Jared Diamond from the Wall Street Journal. So there you go. It kind of sets the stage for what's happening. We're going to hear from Rob Manfred, by the way, the uh, commissioner of baseball coming up. They were down in uh, Texas with the uh, Players Association trying to iron this thing out and officially went on the lockout last night. So we're going to hear his press conference. I'll be curious to hear what he has to say. I am. I'm curious. Just take it in. See what you think, BK, because I know you'll go crazy over this. No. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Thanks for that uh, scintillating sports update to cheer me up. Let's see, MLB on a lockout. Uh, let's see, Bennington in COVID protocol. Thanks a lot, Tanner. Hey, don't shoot the messenger. I understand. I, I Believe me, I've heard that plenty. Uh, Charlie Lindgren, by the way, is called up from the AHL affiliate, uh, the Springfield Thunderbirds. He's 27, dressed in 10 games of Springfield this year. 8-1-1, 925 save percentage. That'll so, play. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get that same performance up here for the next week or two? We'll find out. So uh, Jordan Bennington uh, obviously won't play tonight in and in the at least immediate future. That's BK. I'm Danny Mack. And again, it's uh, all morning talking about the baseball lockout. And it was about uh, 45 minutes ago or so, Rob Manfred, Commissioner of Baseball, addressing the media on what's happening now. To my disappointment, I have to report that effective at 12.01 a.m. this morning, we instituted a lockout of Major League players. Um, We took this action with the support of all 30 clubs after we failed to reach a new agreement with the Players Association, despite our very best efforts. Um, We came to Texas to make a deal. 
Um, we committed to the process, we made proposals, and it just did not happen. After the owners' meeting in Chicago, I made clear the rationale for an off-season lockout. It's the norm in professional sports, and we feel it's the best strategy to protect the 2022 season for the benefit of our fans. We made the mistake of playing without a collective bargaining agreement in 1994, and it cost our fans and our clubs dearly. We will not make that same mistake again. It's important to keep perspective on the lockout issue. The lockout is part of the process that's designed to move the parties towards an agreement. Despite the lockout, we remain ready to bargain whenever the Players Association wants to bargain, and we are steadfast in our desire to get a new agreement. I'm not going to say um, much on the substance at the table. Um, suffice it to say that the Players Association, as is their right, made an aggressive set of proposals in May, and they have refused to budge from the core of those proposals. Things like a shortened reserve period, a $100 million reduction in revenue sharing, and salary arbitration for the whole two-year class are bad for the sport, bad for the fans, and bad for competitive balance. I am really proud of the effort that was put forward by our negotiating committee. The committee made creative proposals to address union concerns, including proposals that would materially increase salaries for young players, eliminate draft choice compensation, create a universal DH, and create a draft lottery in baseball for the first time. Let me finish by reiterating our willingness to bargain at any time and our sincere desire to get a new agreement so that we can all enjoy a great and uninterrupted 2022 season. Rob, how much damage does a lockout do, even if it is only an off-season lockout? Look, it's, it, it's not a good thing for the sport. It's, it, it's not something um, that we undertake Lightly, we understand it's bad for our business. We took it out of a desire to drive the process forward to an agreement now. How does a lockout move you toward that agreement? Uh, you, you know, look, it's part of the um, theory that underlies the National Labor Relations Act, right? People need pressure sometimes to get to an agreement. Candidly, we didn't feel that sense of pressure um, uh, from the other side uh, during the course of this week. And, you know, the only tool available to you under the Act is to apply economic leverage. Bob. Bob. Rob, is there any consideration as far as delaying the uh, lockout till a week after winter meetings or later in this month? Yeah, d d delaying um, the lockout once the contract expires gets complicated legally. And frankly, from our perspective, we wanted to move the process now because we want an agreement now for our fans. Michael? Rob, you spoke in Chicago that fans will understand the difference between a lockout relatively early in the offseason and one that causes cancellation of games. Do you think they'll still be 
understanding if say the union the union's resolve does not change and the and the owner's resolve does not change and uh do you think they'll still be look it's my uh, it, it is my hope and expectation um that um the parties will get back to the table and get an agreement done because i know you'd said to to make the lockout was to preserve you know, to hopefully preserve the 2022 season. Mm -hmm. Do you have a drop dead deadline in which to do that, to make sure the games will not be affected? There, training or games? Yeah, I, I just think speculating about drop dead deadlines at this point, not productive. Um, so I'm not going to do it. Do you have further meetings planned? Um, we don't have anything scheduled. I'm sure there will be communication between the parties. Um, and again, it is our desire to get back to the table as quickly as we can. Uh, Rob, what about the union's proposals was bad for the sport, bad for fans, and bad for competitive balance? Well, let, let, let me take, let's take five-year free agency. I think that the, you know, we already have um, teams in smaller markets that struggle to compete. Um, shortening the period of time that they control players makes it even harder for them to compete. It's also bad for fans in those markets. The most negative reaction we have is when a player leaves via free agency. It, it, we don't see that making it earlier, available earlier. We don't see that as a positive. Uh, taking $100 million away from teams that are already struggling to put a competitive product on the field, I don't, I don't see how that's helpful. I think there'd be skepticism that teams are struggling. Can you can you explain or elaborate on on that suggestion that teams are struggling to put competitive players and teams on the field? Well, I, I, look, I mean, I, I've watched this game, you know, as an insider for more than three decades. I, I think that most people who understand the game realize that in our smaller markets, it's a lot harder to win than it is in our bigger markets. You 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 said, Rob, that um, you guys made best efforts to make a deal. Mm -hmm. Could you have made more proposals throughout this process? Well, you, can, you could make more proposals. We made, I mean, I'll give you one example. We made a proposal yesterday um, that if it had been accepted, I believe would have provided a pretty clear path to make an agreement. Bob? Rome, is there anything accomplished in these three days in Texas? Do you learn anything? Oh, yeah. You, you look, you know, it, it, it's the process, right? You always learn things. Um, you, you get new ideas. You get a better feeling for people's priorities. So, you know, I don't want to, um, we didn't get there, um, but they were not wasted days. The, 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 it was worthwhile in terms of the process moving forward. You say you see a clear path somewhere. Do you believe the union sees the same thing? And if so, is their deal that could come together quickly look you know the timing of a deal you're always one breakthrough away from a deal that, that, that's the reality I, I mean I can't answer it better than that Jeff I'm not trying to duck you but uh, literally I think a big piece of the process is trying to make proposals have conversations make suggestions that could lead to that breakthrough that shows you the way Uh, how open is the league to allowing players who are rehabbing injuries as well as 
in constant contact with mental health professionals on the club side to continue that relationship? Yeah, that it, it's not a question of league willingness. That, that, that's a legal issue upon which we do not have flexibility. I, sorry, I, I do think in the past the NHL has done that. Is that uh, look again? I'm not going there because it involves legal advice that we've been given, and you know, it is from our perspective, it is a legal issue. Okay. I guess to, 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 harp, to continue off of that, are, are club employees in any danger of furloughs, furloughs or layoffs because of? This? Yeah, we, we've had conversations. Certainly, no danger in the central office. We've had conversations with the clubs. There is no expectations at this point in time that there's going to be furloughs of front office employees. And I would ask the same question of, of the union too. But are, are owners, I guess, on your guys' end, uh, you know, prepared to make concessions to players and like just going forward to make a deal? And, and do you think you have made enough? In that I, I, I mean. Let me say two things about that. We are willing to continue to commit to the process to get to a fair agreement. If that involves making further concessions, it involves making further concessions. You know, I, just as a matter of perspective, you know, we proposed the elimination of draft choice compensation. This industry had a strike over that issue in 1985. That is a major concession um, that has been the source of friction as to how the free agency system has operated. Um, you know, I, I, we have made concessions. Bob? Yeah, Rob, a lot was made uh, last night about the, the website, you know, scrubbing photos, taking down stories, is that a legal issue or? It is. Uh, did you guys make a proposal for any on-field changes and, and why or why not? Have the the on-field changes were the topic of discussion at the table. Um, we did make a proposal early on about a joint process um, with respect to on-field changes. Um, we did not make any specific rule change proposals. We are in the process of still evaluating changes. Um, and, and, and frankly, um, we, based on the discussions at the table, we saw it as another contentious issue and tried to put it to one side in an effort to get to an agreement on the theory that we could deal with it midterm of the next agreement. Take two more, Michael and then James. Um, in your letter, Rob, in describing the lockout as defensive, um, can you elaborate on, on what you, you mean by that? Is it yeah. mainly that team's inability to be competitive, or is it, is it no, going no, beyond that? Defensive in the sense that um, you want to control the timing of the dispute. It really refers back to the 1994 ex experience. If you play without an agreement, you're vulnerable to a strike at any point in time. Um, what happened in 1994 is the MLBPA picked August um, when we were most vulnerable because of the proximity of the large um, revenue dollars associated with the postseason. We, we wanted to take that option away and try to force the parties to deal with the issues and get an agreement now, which is what we continue to believe is best for the fans. Rob, just bigger picture. I know you use words like frustration, and you know that the other side was unwavering. Um, they weren't changing. I mean, but why, why? I guess do relations between the two sides seem so fraught and tense right now? And what, I don't, what can be done? I guess to yeah, I don't. Do I, I don't feel frustrated. Um, I'm disappointed we didn't get to an agreement. That's different than being frustrated. Um, I think we're 
in a process. I'm prepared to continue that process, and I'm optimistic that, that, that we're going to get a deal. Um, I, I, secondly, the whole re relationship issue, you know, um, I think people put way too much emphasis uh, on that issue. At the end of the day, it's about the substance. We're here. They're there. We need to find a way to bridge the gap. All right. There is uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what, the press conference went longer than their negotiating meeting last night. That's true. <laughs> I'm not sure I, you know, there was just a lot of, uh, well, we're trying, we're doing this, we're doing that. It was interesting, though, and a few of the points that uh, they say they're not going to budge, which is what you would expect. The uh, on the uh, player side, the uh, yeah player side, Tony Clark, who is the union chief, has said, "quote Players consider it unnecessary. The lockout won't pressure or intimidate players into a deal they don't believe is fair." He was asked about uh, the letter that went out to fans from Rob Manfred last night, and you can see it's uh, posted online. He said, quote, misrepresentations in Rob Manfred's letter to fans and added it would have been beneficial to the process to have spent as much time negotiating in the room as it appeared was spent on the letter. So here we go. It's going to start going back and forth, and uh, we'll see, BK, if they can't get a deal. I just love this stuff, Dan. It makes me feel so good inside, and, like, everybody's <sighs> getting along. It's it's my favorite thing in the world. Ah, labor strife. Ah, what a, what a way to spend a Wednesday, Thursday. What day is today? Thursday morning. I, I just don't – one of the problems I have with this, and I don't agree with what he said, is – saying that there's not a sense of urgency to get a deal done. And to me, there there needs to be. There needs to be a sense of urgency and understanding where you read the room. We're in a pandemic. You had a 60-game season. We had uh, ballparks that were 15% capacity. I mean, read the room, man, what's going on here. And there's plenty of money to be made. And believe me, it's coming down to how to split the pie. Figure it out. But read the room this year more than any other work stoppage of what's going on in our lives. Yeah, I will say this. The owners were super smart. Like there are teams that decided to go ahead and spend big early. And I, I think you guys had mentioned this this morning with Greg Amsinger, if I'm not mistaken. He said, hey, look, look at how much money was spent early on in the offseason. And he's not wrong, but that is a great selling point for the owners just when it comes to the PR of all of this. Like, hey. Why do they hate the system that's in place right now? Look at all these guys that are getting paid. And that's true. The pr the reason, and we talked about this a lot yesterday, Dan, we don't have to get uh, deep into the weeds on it, but the, the problem is not so much the Max Scherzers. Those guys have gotten paid, will get paid, ha will always get paid. The problem is the other 65 to 70% of the league, which is at those league minimum or arbitration type of deals. How do we deal with that part of the process? And that's where all of this is coming back to. And unfortunately, they have a fundamental disagreement on how that should be handled. And it feels like we could just get into a room and hash this out and be like, hey, these are our ideas. These are their ideas. Here's our red lines. How do we meet somewhere in the middle? But they did this for seven minutes last night, which was shorter than the Brian Kelly meeting with his team at Notre Dame that he was criticized for. And now we're going to be waiting until probably February, if not 
early March until we get some sort of an agreement. You have uh, Alex Ferrario coming up as we cross it over here, and you guys got three hours. A lot of news, obviously, with baseball, with this situation, and also for those who just joined us, uh, Jordan Bennington now in the COVID-19 protocol list. Yeah, and that's where we're going to begin. Ville Husso, it looks like it's going to have an expanded opportunity here. What's this going to look like? Because there were already questions from some, should Ville Husso get more starts? Well, he's about to. It's out of necessity as opposed to because they want to. What's this going to look like? We'll find out together. I want to ask Alex what his expectations are for Ville Husso. That's where we'll start. The Cubs making a big move yesterday. What does that mean both for their team in the 2022 season? And also, uh, are they going to be more active in the future? It looks like Carlos Correa might be on their wish list. What does that mean for the NL Central? We'll get into all of that. And of course, we'll cover this CBA negotiations as well. Peloton, let's go. This holiday... With the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes. From running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton. Motivation that moves you.